Good morning. How y'all doing? It is really good being with y'all. I, sh- I really missed you guys last week. Um, I was at the beach, and uh, I know it doesn't sound like that, that I really miss. I did. I'm telling you, because it was 29 degrees at the beach where I was at. Um, but uh, I had the privilege of going back uh, to a previous church I used to serve in in Norfolk, Virginia, uh, where I was a student minister and a worship leader, and a really good friend of mine, the minister of senior adults, was retiring after uh, uh, being at this church since 85. And uh, he's been in the ministry for, uh, that's 30 years, isn't it? Is that right, Danny? I think that's right. Um, and he's like 70-something. And uh, it's so cool because, um, you know, one of the things about ministry, and this is really where we're going at today, you don't have to be even really good at it. You just got to, it's all about longevity. It's all about being the last person standing. And uh, one of the things we're going to be talking about this morning is two things that really keep a lot of people from standing. Um, I really did miss being with you. I want to say just a, just holler out to Mike. Mike, thank you so much for preaching last week. We got such a great staff. Don't y'all think? I'm telling you, wonderful people. I am so blessed to serve with people who are in many ways better than I am. And I just I want, do want to say thanks. Uh, thank you so much for that, Mike. Um, we're going to be, this is our last Sunday in the book of Proverbs, and uh, next week we're going to be doing, uh, looking at baptism, uh, but for today, we're going to be looking at our private lives, our private life. All of us have secrets. I'm amazed being able to go online and you, you have all of these different places that you can share your secrets anonymously. Have y'all seen some of this stuff? How many of y'all heard of secret deodorant? Hope y'all have, right? Well, I didn't know if y'all knew this, but Secret Deodorant has this website called ShareYourSecret.com that you can go on and you can type secrets that you have that's maybe been eating you up, you've not told anybody, and they will broadcast them on Times Square on that rolling ticker tape type of thing. I kid you not. Here's some of the ones that's done that. Um, uh, one person said, I just went to Vegas and got married and not told anyone. There's a secret. Um, I paid my brother to take my best friend to prom, and she still doesn't know. Um, I wrecked my mom's car, and I've lied about it for years. By the way, Mom, you know, I told you I hit that. I'm joking. Um, But all of us have secrets. And it's amazing. Those secrets can eat us alive. They can eat you up from the inside out. Some of you may be carrying secrets that you've been having for years, and you're wondering, well, if people only knew this about me, if people only knew my past, if people only knew some of the stuff I thought about, all the stuff, then they wouldn't want to be near me. And you have these things that you keep hidden, and they literally eat you up from the inside out, from the interior to the exterior. And the thing about it is, all of those secrets, they start affecting your current relationships and sabotaging those. They start affecting your decision-making. They start thinking how you view life. They start affecting every area of your life, and they start poisoning those. The Bible is going to be looking at a lot of different secrets in the book of Proverbs today because the, bro- the Proverbs is just all up practical. How many of y'all enjoyed reading through Proverbs every day? Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you, it is just it will change your life. It will change your life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Give your Bibles, open it up with me, Proverbs 4, 23, or it's on the screen. And it says this. Let's all say this together. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart, 
He's saying, um, you need to protect. You need to protect your heart. Now, in our culture, um, we say heart to be a lot of different things. In fact, you listen to a lot of songs. Heart, you know, my, my achy, breaky heart, and unchain my heart, and all of this stuff. All right? But in the Hebrew language, the word heart is a little bit broader than love songs. All right? The word heart, let me give you some definitions of what the heart means here that Solomon is talking about. It's the seed of thought. It's your mind. It's your thinking. It's your habits. It's your emotions. What gets you happy and what gets you sad? It's your emotions and it is the seed of your will. So when Solomon talks about heart, he says, what I'm talking about is you need to protect what you think, how you feel, and you need to think, uh, you need to protect your will, what drives you. Uh, it, your, it's the wellspring of life. The wellspring. I mean, we've all heard the horror stories of some of these towns that uh, their water table is damaged and it's polluted, and they keep on drinking of these polluted water. And what does that polluted water do? do? It poisons them. You see, if you don't protect your heart, it will affect every area of your life. It will permeate every area, every relationship, every decision, every thought every action that secret is destroying you it's kind of like a volcano that on the outside looks dormant but on the inside it's just bubbling up and it's raiding it's just waiting to blow up that's how many of us are we just we got that stuff inside us and it's cancer it's cancer inside us how do you guard your heart that's really what we're going to be looking at today how do you guard your heart um, I, I know the two things that we're going to be talking about today is, is guarding your eyes, what your eyes see, and guarding your ears, what they hear. But primarily, there's two things in every person's life that we struggle with. And those are the two things that we're going to be looking at through the book of Proverbs. It's either money, uh, the, the temptation of money and wanting to have it, or sexual temptation. And we're going to be looking at both of those this morning and what Proverbs a very practical book, what God has to say about money and about sex. How do we guard our heart against the greed of money? I mean, how many of y'all have enough money? <laughs> Look around. All right? Not a lot of hands going up. i got a good friend um, uh, who we were just talking before, uh, before the service. His name's Billy. And he's been in a third world country uh, doing some mission work that the Army sent him on for a couple weeks. And... Um, it just, he said, you know, I'm just amazed at how the rest of the world lives. I'm just amazed. They have these little small huts, and some of them, they don't even have that. They're just mud that they get in and sleep in. And, uh, I, you know, none of us have enough. And we think, if we're really honest, man, I wish we could have more. I've been there, done that, all right? Lost the checkbook, all right? We want more. And many times it's what corners do we have to cut or how far do we have to stretch the paycheck so that, well, there's, that there's a paycheck at the end of every month. Uh, listen to what uh, Proverbs has to say about this in Proverbs 23. It says this, talking about money. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. What does it say? Restrain yourself. I like that. Restrain yourself. He's saying let's have a balanced perspective on wealth and money and finances. Don't wear yourself out. Don't let that be your main goal because here's what Solomon is saying. You can spend so much time trying to get money that really God is saying, you know what, it's not about getting money. It's about having wisdom to live life. That's what the book of Proverbs is all about. So how do you guard your heart against financial temptation? Well, the first way is this. 
Number one, you've got re- to realize that God owns everything. God owns everything. Acknowledge it that it's all His. But you're thinking, well, He don't own this. I bought that, right? He didn't do this. I got that. Well, let's, t- let's talk about that. You may have talents, and that talent may have gotten you a job. But who gave you those talents? Who gave you that breath so that you could go to job so that you can get some moolah? Who gave that to you? Your breath. Oh, who, who made you healthy so that you could actually get up and not have the, the Montezuma's revenge that everybody has? A good friend of mine, we, we were just talking. My family's been sick. Her family's getting over illness. I mean, who, who made you healthy so that you could go to work? I'm sorry, who was that? That's right. That's exactly right. This is what you have to realize. Look at this next verse. If you'd put that verse on the screen, Kelsey. It says this, that um, Psalms 24.1 says, God owns it all. The earth is the Lord's. Now, how many of y'all live on earth? Raise your hand. How many of y'all live on Mars? Remember, men are from Mars. Women are from Pluto. All right? Um, the earth is the Lord's. So if, we, if you live on earth, then you're owned by God. And everything that's in it. Now, everything. Tell me, how, how much is everything? You good. All right? You must be a college graduate. Everything. So everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And the world and all who live in it. So what is that kind of, is that kind of everything? You betcha, all right? Everything is his, everything. And we've got to realize that, that your money, that your car, everything. I was in uh, Norfolk, I told you last week, and I got this $5 bill, all right? $5 bill given to me, and the person wrote love on it. And I've had it in my wallet, and every time I, I have my wallet and I open it up, it's just kind of weird. Because when I look at this, I mean, yeah, he gave it to me, but it's like give it to somebody else. And I realized that this really is, uh, it's really not mine. I got it for a while, for a season. But the thing we have to remember is that God wants us to use every resource to spread God's love. Every resource, whether it be money, whether it be your car, whether it be whatever. He wants your house your books, everything. Everything he wants to use for love and for him. Now, you know, the Bible talks a lot about this. All through the Bible talking about a tithe. You know, we, of course, we talked about 10% and all that stuff. But it's, God says, yeah, you can give your 10%, but you've got to realize, I own, it. I, know, I own the other 90% as well. I want, you to, I want you to just glorify me in everything that you got because I gave it to you about tithe. You know, I want to share this as well. Some of you don't know this, but our church tithes. We give uh, actually 10%, actually 13% back to God to do missions, to do missions work. Um, a lot of the, the tornadoes and stuff that hit Tennessee, uh, we give a portion. We give 13% back so we can partner with other churches to be able to do missions. Um, in fact, this is so cool. You all may not know this. We actually have some people at one church who aren't here yet today. I won't be back until tonight because they've been gone for three days in Lynch, Kentucky, giving shoes to those who don't have shoes. In fact, uh, one person who's here, uh, Andy and Cordy, y'all just stand up. Go ahead. Andy and Cordy, they went to Lynch, and uh, they, uh, they got back early. So, I mean, isn't that good? God is so awesome that he's taking the things that you give, and he's able to bless it and expand it and bless it and expand it. Man, I just think that I think that's so cool. 
The thing also that you've got to realize is you've got to realize that God owns it all. But once you start being a little bit um, less needy and holding on to your money, you, start, you begin to be generous towards God and others. You begin to be generous towards God and others. What I'm getting ready to tell you today, you're not going to hear anywhere else. You're not going to hear it on ESPN. You're not going to hear it on TLC. And you're not going to hear it on HGTV. In fact, you probably won't hear it on INSP. <laughs> anyway. Um, and here is the principle. It's a biblical principle that says this. The more you give, the more you receive. The more you give away the more you're going to receive back. And the more you, you refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. Look at how Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. Listen to this. Here's a principle that Solomon, the wisest man in the world, says. It is possible give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. It is possible to white-knuckle everything and to lose it all. You know, the best example of this, I, you know, when I think about this verse, you know what I thought about? I thought about the Lord of the Rings. You remember the, my precious, and he holds on to it, and he looks at it, and he tries to hoard it. And what happens to the ring? He loses it. And his life is wrecked. He is literally in bondage because he is so greedy about wanting this ring. And that's the story of many of our lives. We become these golems, and we start hoarding and wanting things and we see the things more important than people or God. When we're focused on stuff and on money, we're in bondage. We're in bondage. It is so possible to do that. You know, you won't be remembered in your life by what you give. Well, excuse me, by what you get, by what you give. Andrew Carnegie, y'all have heard of him. He said, you know what? I want... To the first half of my life, I want to get as much money as I can. And the second part of my life, I want to give all of that money away. And you know what? He did that. I believe that the Lord blessed him so that he could be a blessing to others. In fact, that's the reason why the Lord blessed a lot of people in the Bible. A lot of those people in the Bible, as you read, he made them rich so that they can rich, richly bless other people. Proverbs 11:28. Let's go that one. Um, trust in your money, and where, where are you going to go? Down. Trust in your money, and down you will go, but the godly flourish like the leaves in spring. One of these days, we're going to see some leaves in the spring. But you know, you know you're going to be there. And you know, that's faith, you know, not seeing those leaves yet. That's where you're at with this. You trust in God. You may not see those, those leaves yet, but they eventually will come. You trust in God with your money, and I promise you, He he will, he will bless you, and he will, uh, he will make sure that you're provided for. He will make sure that you, will, that you are provided for. That's money. Let's go to the second part of the thing that really knocks the slats out of many of our lives, and that is protecting your eyes against the lust of sex. Protecting your eyes against sex. You know, so many things can wreak havoc in our lives, but none more than um, temptation and sexual temptation. You know, I, I was amazed. I read this quote a couple of weeks ago as I was preparing that in a 12-week span on primetime television, now that's two, four, and five, that there were over 2,000 sexual acts 
were noted. And 90% of those were marriage, were, was sexual acts outside of marriage. Um, I know uh, Kim and I, we used to watch this show, um, ER. We used to watch ER all the time. And uh, I'll never forget, it's when we finally said, you know what, enough is enough with this show because everybody was shacking up with everybody and no one was married. And you're thinking, well, that just sounds old-fashioned. Well, it is. But God said it needs to be that way. Now, I know some of you are thinking, you know, what in the world? How? That's just, that, that's not realistic. And I truly believe it is. Know this, God created sex. Now, a lot of churches probably won't talk about it that way, but they will. God created sex for it to be enjoyed. That's right, I heard an amen there. Uh, yes, I like so, anyway, moving on. It's getting a little weird. My point being is this. My point being is this. Is God created it. He's the author of it. All right. But he said, you know what? In order for it to be enjoyed, it has to be done here. I love, I love, in the winter, I love having the wood burning in the fireplace. That's so cool. All right. And we, we're, it's, oh, it just, and it's pops and fizzles and all that stuff. But, you know, when, if that fire got out of the fireplace and got on the curtains, do you think I would enjoy it as much? You, I would not. Um, I wouldn't enjoy it a bit because fire in the context of a fireplace is good. It's productive. It's helpful. Fire, when it's on the rug and on the carpet and on the curtains, what's changed? The fire hasn't changed, but the location, the context of that fire has changed. And see, that's what it is when it comes to sex. God's saying, listen, sex is great in this context. But he realizes this. When you get it outside of that context, it is damaging. It is hurtful. He knows that if we don't wait for sex towards marriage and we, we jump, jump steps and we get physical, he knows this, that our minds and our relationships is, is going to cut off that development of being intimate. Because there's relational intimacy and there's physical intimacy. And when you skip the relational intimacy, talking, spending time together, listening to other people's hopes and dreams and fears and failures. You skip that and you go straight to the intimate, the physical part. He knows that you're going to shortchange that relationship and that relationship probably won't last. And you probably heard this statistic. 85% of people who live together before marriage, 85% of them, when they get married, they will end a divorce. For no other reason but that, statistics is against you. But also, God's saying, listen, this is good, it's great, but it needs to be in this context. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 6 has to say about this. Proverbs 6.25. Solomon says, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her, or let her captivate you with her eyes. And now, you could list, you know, her, him. If you're a girl, don't let him, all right, captivate you with his biceps. All right? Anyway, keep on going. Sorry, did I make anybody stumble there? All right. I know what y'all are thinking in the back row. I didn't see nothing move. All right. Anyway, uh, it wasn't that funny. Proverbs 6.26 says this, For the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread. Let's just stop right there. A loaf. How much is a loaf of bread? Ladies, because the guys ain't got a clue. Dollar, dollar something. I mean, you are reduced to a dollar twenty-nine. You, I mean, and, and this is, see, this is the issue between uh, love and lust. Love 
values the person, lust sees a, a person as a loaf of bread. Sees a person as an object, something to be desired. Um, I, I, and the, here's the, it brings it to a head, 627, Proverbs 627. Can a man scoot fire into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? What's the answer? No, he cannot. Let's keep on going. Um, can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? The answer is no. So it is with the man who sleeps with another man's wife. Man, this principle is so real. You know, you cannot play with fire and not be burned. And the same thing, it's the same way when it comes to sex. You can't do this and not be hurt. I have talked to people... I've, and, and we have people's, we have couples in our church that I've talked to that's just like, you know what? Um, th- we had the struggle in our lives, and this person had an affair, or this per- and it just it broke it up. There was just pain and hurt, and they're still together, but it's just like, man, I just, I'd do anything just to, if that just never happened. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are on a second marriage because the spouse chose to do that, or maybe you chose to do that. It just, there's not one, hear me on this one, there's not one sin that leads to life. It may seem fun for a while, but that's what that is. There's not one sin that leads to, that brings life into a relationship. Hey, why don't we try this? Why don't we, let's bring in, you know, pornography into our marriage relationship. There's not one sin that will bring life to that relationship. Not one. Every sin leads to death. Everyone. A death of a relationship, death of our spiritual life. And when we're dealing with sex and stuff, the first principle is this. You've got to have a good defense. You know, sometimes a, a best offense is a good defense. Listen to 2 Timothy 2.22. This will rock your world. All right? Now, what does it say? What's the first word? It doesn't say jog. It doesn't say, you know what, let me pray about this for a little bit. It says, when you have anything that stimulates youthful lust, run. Run. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Ask yourself these questions. Whatever you're doing, whether it be with another person, whether it be online, whether it be whatever book you're reading, is it promoting righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace? Or is it producing lust? Run. Flee. Get out. I remember the story of Billy Graham. Y'all heard of Billy Graham, right? How long has he been around? <laughs> You're right. All right. He has. And uh, um, Billy Graham, in his early years, he went over to Europe, to England, and uh, he was doing a crusade. And he went into the hotel room, and the first thing he went into the hotel room, he, he saw a TV, and he went to unplug the TV because he knows in, in the European countries, you know, nudity's everywhere on the TV. So he went to unplug the TV, and it didn't have a plug. It just went straight in, and it went in, uh, in, into the plaster. So he can't unplug the TV. So he grabs this cord, and he rips it out. And plaster goes everywhere. And the dude's traveling. Billy Graham saying, have you lost it? What's going on with you? He says, you know what? I can pay the bill to repay for that plaster and stuff. But when we're here, God wants to do something. And I cannot afford for my integrity or my character to be in question. I must live for God. Stay sexually pure. Do whatever you have to do. Get whatever filter you have to get. You know, there's some great stuff 
internet-wise called Covenant Eyes, or there's another one called TripleXChurch.com that you can go on, that you can, whatever uh, access, sites you access, it'll go to your friend, and you can do accountability partners with them. I meet with accountability group every Monday morning at 7 in the morning. I know some of y'all didn't think I got up at 7. And uh, I do. But I'm there every Monday morning because I need people asking me tough questions and hard questions. You've got to play with a good, um, a good uh, defense. You've got to have a good defense. As we close, I just want to say this. Whatever your secret that you're dealing with, whatever part of your private life that you're dealing with, my encouragement for you today is to come clean. I'm not going to ask anybody to like share their secret publicly. What I am going to ask you to do is this. I want you to share your secret with God this morning. I want you to share your secret with God. If you would, let's have every every head bowed, every eye closed. And let's just spend some time between you and the Lord. Many times we're so rushed on Sunday mornings, we don't get to talk to Him. I just want to give you some time just to talk to Him this morning. To come clean. one thing in your life that's been eating you up. Tell it to him. He knows. Ask him to forgive you because he will. Lord, all of us have been there when it comes to secrets. All of us have tried hiding things from other people. But Lord, we know that we can't hide it from you. That you see into our lives. Lord, your word is so clear. Lord, it says that if we would confess our sins, our secrets, Lord, that you are faithful, that you are just, and that you will forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all of that junk, all of that unrighteousness. Lord, your word says in the book of Psalms, Lord, that you will remove all of our sins, all of our transgressions, as far as the east is from the west. Lord, I thank you for hearing our prayer. Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, that all of us would just get that stuff out of our lives and that we would put it on you. Lord, that's the reason your son came to die. So that we could take all of our sin, all of our secrets, all of our junk, all of that stuff, and we just put it on him. That's the reason why he went on the cross. And he had all of that sin, all of our stuff, all of our bad stuff on him. Lord, he gave us all of his righteousness. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.